0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1094. Today on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance that takes place on Sunday, August 26th at The Lodge in beautiful Pebble Beach, California. For more information and tickets, go to pebblebeachconcours.net.
1: You learn more by listening than you do by talking.
0: Hey, Chris, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Chris Bach is the chief judge and a member of the selection committee for the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance. He served as chief judge since 2013, and he attended his first Pebble Beach Concours way back in 1963 at the age of 18. Over the decades, he served as class judge and numerous other roles, helping make the Concours a huge success. Chris has been an entrant on five occasions, often showing Packards, a mark to which he's very devoted. He has also served as president and national head judge of the Classic Car Club of America and as editor of the Cormorant for the Packard Club. This year, Chris put together a display of Eisenhower-era dream cars for Pebble Beach. Chris is a retired real estate broker and a foster parent as well. So, Chris, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your incredible passion for automobiles.
1: Well, you know, I think we all think back to to what ignited us on collector cars. And, and it happened to me at a really early age. Uh, I was a crossing guard in my elementary school And the lady on the corner where I was shepherding kids across the street uh, had a 41 Packard limousine, and she went through this formal process of having the chauffeur park it in front of the walk, and she would come out and do her grand exit. And it was kind of the first time I, I... Keed keyed in on the fact that there were cars that were more than just basic transportation. That started a, uh, a lifelong pursuit and, and passion and hobby and has uh, absorbed a lot of my time ever since then.
0: I think so. A crossing guard. You know, I've forgotten I did that in elementary school. Uh, that was great fun. And you think back of the uh, importance of that role that you had as a young child to protect kids going across a busy street, but very, very cool. And no doubt that Packard made a huge impression. Having been to the Pebble Beach Concours for as many years as you have, no doubt you've seen massive changes. And I'd love for you to maybe before I get into my first question here, talk a little bit about some of the early days of the Concours, how it's evolved and changed over the years.
1: Has always been a mecca for really high quality cars, but the major change was the field was dominated when I first started attending in the 60s with antique and classics, essentially pre World War II cars, mm-hmm. except for a, a brief foray into a lot of uh, nearly new Rolls Royces. The show, the, the competition in the show was really amongst early cars, and that has evolved through the 50-some years, to include a, a, a real emphasis on competition cars and post-war sports and exotics. So that's been the, the, the big shift through the mm-hmm. years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, hot rods, which appeared on the lawn not too long ago, had never been on the lawn. And I know that when, uh, when I was there, this will be my 30th year attending, people were kind of raising their eyebrows going, hot rods? What are the hot rods doing here? But they, too, have played an important role in the automotive history not only the United States, but the world. But uh, wow, well, it's just incredible how many years you've been there. And I always like to start my talk with my guests about asking for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Chris, take the wheel.
1: You know, I suppose if there's one thing that I I believe in is that you learn more by listening than you do by talking, (laughs) and and, and here I am talking, but (laughs) um, I've been fortunate to be around an awful lot of of fantastic people in in the automotive world, and I've done a whole lot of listening, and it has really benefited me.
0: Yeah, think of what you can learn from people, and I've always said that. When you go to a, a prestigious event like Pebble Beach, Uh, really do what my mom taught me. The reason you have two uh, ears and one mouth is to listen twice as much as you're talking (laughs) and, and just ask everybody about their cars and you will learn so much because the sharing that happens at Pebble beach is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Everyone has a story about their car and, and every car has a unique history and, and uh, it's a fascinating way to learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Great way to go through life. Well, Let's talk a little bit about your passion for cars. I know having attended Pebble Beach way back in 63 was an integral part and being a crossing guard with that that, uh, well-heeled woman and her Packard as you were helping the kids across the street. But is there a real pivotal moment in your life when you knew that this was going to be a lifelong thing for you, being a car guy? I think
1: part of the hobby that I enjoy the most is, discovery I love chasing leads and finding cars and I remember I was incredibly fortunate in 1963 to get a lead on a on a hidden car in San Francisco and was able to to look at that car and and eventually buy it and The idea of of opening a garage door and finding this, if you want to call it, that buried treasure, that was an incredible moment. And I love, to this day, chasing down obscure leads and, and, uh, again, you know, opening the door and there's a car.
0: Well, that's the fantasy for us car people, is that barn find. I know that's why Wayne Carini, who's been a guest here, his his, uh, great TV show, Chasing Classic Cars, is so successful because... Is that anticipation? What was that car you found in San Francisco?
1: It was a thirty-one Packard sedan, and wow. uh, it was a one-owner car. Had been uh, last on the road uh, for the nineteen fifty-two Republican convention in San Francisco. Oh my gosh! Where the owners drove it and got some kind of a sticker on the wind wing uh, for that convention, and and that was they retired it, and and so for eleven years it sat in a garage in Pacific Heights, and. And fortunately, uh, was well preserved. So, wow! It's interesting. That car will be on the show field this year in the preservation class.
0: Oh my gosh! You're uh, kidding?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it'll be it's homecoming for a you. A few <laughs>
1: times since then, and and <laughs> uh, but it's a it's a, a real uh, time
0: machine. Uh, it'll be fun to see it. You must have a special place in your heart when you walk up and see that vehicle. I assume it, it's not yours anymore, right? You don't. It, it is currently? not mine, and
1: and you know I also have a special hole in my head for having ever sold it. <laughs> but uh, time, which marches on, you can't keep them all.
0: Well, we're going to get to that question in a moment, but first I'd like to talk a little bit about a challenge. Or even a failure that you faced along the way. Now, this could be with your involvement with Pebble Beach. It could be your life, your career, whatever you want to share with us. The more important thing, though, about these situations is what they teach us and how we can help others who might be going through the same thing. So kind of walk us through one of those experiences, if you would.
1: Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I suppose... If I were relating it to Pebble Beach, um, it would be relative to judging. You know, you can't be right 100% of the time. And unfortunately, we all make a few mistakes. And I, I trust that I've learned from from some of those through the years. And and uh, I, I guess the lesson that I've learned is that, that we never really know everything about a subject. Yes. And uh, we can always be students. And I consider myself somebody who knows a fair amount about Packard. But I've made some mistakes. I've learned from them and uh, hopefully not too much damage was done along the way. But yeah, you can never stop learning. And, and in the automotive context, uh, you know, when you talk about low production cars, which most of the cars that you see on the Pebble Beach field would be, mm-hmm. the manufacturers constantly change things. So, to say that this car has to be done, this particular Packard had to be done in this particular fashion, this component had to be painted this color, and there was never any variation. You know, that often just wasn't the case. Sure. Because different suppliers came up with different components, and you've got to be open minded. You have to listen to the owner. That's a lesson that yeah. I've learned.
0: Absolutely. You know, let's touch on this a little more because this is very interesting, I think, to our listeners. When you go to a concourse like Pebble Beach that is the, the creme de la creme, the top of the, the notch, I and mean, when you get a car on the lawn at Pebble Beach, you've made you've made it, buddy. And uh, I would love for you to share a little bit more about the process that you judges go through with a person when you walk up to them, welcome them to the event, and judge their car. Because maybe start with how little time you really have to do this, because there's not much time. And I've told my listeners with some of the other guests who've been on the show this week from Pebble Beach, don't bother the judges during the morning when they're judging. They have so little time. And if if they seem a little rude, it's because uh they've got a lot of pressure on their shoulders and they have very little time. So could you walk us through what happens from the moment you walk up to an owner until you judge and also touch on, yeah, how on earth can you know everything and what kind of things do the owners bring to the table to help you learn even more?
1: Yeah, you know, it's and it's a process that starts for a judge before you ever walk up to the car because we collect in the in the in the entry process and the selection process we collect an awful lot of data from the owners about the cars and we build that all into a website which our judges have access to mm. so it, number one we study the cars and, and for authenticity and originality and and so forth well ahead of the event and then we we make all of that information available uh, through a secured website to our judges so you've done your homework and uh, at the point when you walk up to the car you should have some basic knowledge of what you're looking at and some of the specifics of the car's history and unique features but you know the first thing a judge wants to do is to make the owner feel Welcomed and thank them for, for going through this incredible process of bringing a car all the way to Pebble Beach, uh, mm-hmm. often from across the country or across the world. Right. And help them to relax because the owners are petrified typically at this <laughs> yeah. point because it's a very nervous you know, time. Is it going, is it going <laughs> to start? Is the windshield wiper going to work? Uh, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's a time of tension. And, and then some of this stuff that's, that's very easy, that, you know, does the engine start sound correctly and uh, run correctly? Do the various components work and so forth? That's kind of a mechanical process. But then getting into how the car is trimmed and painted and how it's detailed and, and if the owner has done an appropriate, authentic job of, of restoring the car. And then in cars where there are questions or cars that are, are unique and, and one-off, often the owners will bring albums of original factory photos of the car original bodybuilder photos pictures of the restoration process so that they can answer authenticity questions for the judges it's true you know you've got 20 30 minutes maximum with an owner and a car you have to do an awful lot in that short period of time and you have to be careful because owners might like to tell you their their life story with the car, and you really yeah, don't course. have time for that. Yeah. But you need to utilize the owner's knowledge and the materials they brought with them so that you can make a correct assessment.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, the pressure has got to be immense. In fact, the first woman that I had as a guest here on Car Show was Diane Brandon, who's a judge at Pebble oh, yeah. and has judged for a long time. I was just texting with her this morning, actually. And, um, wonderful lady. And yeah, she was sharing with me, uh, years ago just the, uh, enormous pressures and, and focus that they have to have when they walk up to that car and spend time with that owner and realize they have a limited period of time to learn an awful lot. But I would again encourage listeners out there that attend Pebble or any Concorde, once the car has been judged, you know, talk with the owners. They are very, very, Almost all the time, happy to share with you all the details. They'll show you these books they've compiled, the history, the restoration. You will be amazed at what you learn about these cars and what people have done. So fantastic! Let's shift gears and go to what I call the other end of the spectrum. Somewhat of an aha moment in your time there at Pebble Beach, perhaps a time that kind of illuminated you into a new direction, a new way of thinking. Is, is was there one of those for you with uh, your relationship with the Pebble Beach Concord?
1: You know, one of the things that's that. Uh... I feel like I've evolved through the years. I mean, I'm an early car guy. I'm not apologizing for that. That's just where my area of interest lies. Mm -hmm. But as the show has become more post-war, I've kind of had to educate myself. And I have learned to really appreciate post-war custom coach work. Mm. I mean, there's just some fantastically beautiful automobiles that were built Many Italian, some French, some German, uh, but uh, few in this country. But the balance and the elegance of the lines, and that's that's the place where I feel like my situation has matured, mm. and my knowledge and my tastes have changed. I mean, I'm still I'm still going to buy a Packard and not a Ferrari, but <laughs> I, I looked at at post war. Best of Show, which occurred a few years ago, which was ah. a Ferrari. Yeah, John Shirley's Scoupe, car. John yeah. Shirley's car and the, the lines on that car and the proportions and the balance. That was a Best of Show car. And yes. that was a beautifully created automobile and beautifully restored and authentically restored. 30 years ago, I didn't have that appreciation and uh, now I, I do, and I, I enjoy the process of, of looking at all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I think we're going to see more best-of-show cars come from the post-war uh, uh, classes, and I think that's just fine.
0: Time marches on. That beautiful car that John owns, way back when he showed that on the lawn the first time, I got to spend a couple days with that car photographing it. Of course, Butch Dennison, another past guest here on Cars Yeah, restored that car several times, has gone through that car. And I even got to drive it, and uh, it was just up and down the parking lot where I was, but it was just, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine this car back in the day. Of course, the history of that car is fantastic. It was a gift for a a female friend, let's say, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's got an incredible history, but uh, fantastic car, but I think you touched on something really important here because so many people get locked into a mark and they don't allow themselves to move out of that. I'm a Ferrari guy. I'm a Packard guy. I'm whatever Mm -hmm. that might be. And I'm really happy you shared this because that's why going to these shows can open your mind and your hearts to all sorts of interesting things. You don't have to abandon your true love, of course. But you can go visit and window shop your your other loves and learn things. So I, I really am happy to hear you say that. And I was excited to see that car win as well. It was a, a nice little bit of a change. Well, let's talk about your first really special car. And you talked about that wonderful Packard barn find, if you will, in San Francisco. Yeah. But is there one car, the first one that you got, that really was special for you and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle?
1: Well... You know, I suppose the first collectible Packard that I owned, uh, which I was really thrilled to buy, was a 1948 Packard custom Eight convertible, their top-of-the-line car. Uh, and, and I found this car through an ad in the Packard Club magazine and bought it sight unseen in Boise, Idaho. And I drove that car to Pebble Beach the first year I went.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And wow. I thought I was king of the mountain in that car. Uh, it was <laughs> and it was a wonderful car. It was a big butterscotch yellow convertible, and they were a, a, a fantastic automobile. Still are um, uh-huh. that car. That happened before the thirty one Packard barn find. I I was I was thrilled to get that car and thrilled to own it. And no it, doubt. It was kind of my first collector car. I ended up at the Herrick Collection. Uh, really? Oh my gosh! For many gosh. years, uh, now it's uh, I think down in Southern California still. But uh, lovely car. If yeah. you if you remember uh, what was the movie Back to the Future? Uh huh. They had a a twin to that car that was uh, driven by the star in that movie.
0: Oh uh, wow! Uh, oh, anyways, I have to go I back and watch that.
1: Yeah, see that movie, and and it brings back lots of fond memories.
0: I, you know, I'm so focused on the DeLorean in that in that uh, show, but I've yeah. got to go back and watch that and look for that car. There, there's now, so. a
1: yellow Packard convertible in that show.
0: Very nice. Well, we touched a little bit this on this earlier, and that is seller's remorse. We all have let cars go we wish we still had. And taking the monetary issue out of the equation and just focusing on sentimental reasons, is there a car that you've owned that you've let go that you wish was still in your garage?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it would be the 31 Packard. The thirty-one, and, yeah. and the sad thing is that I have two holes in my head. I've owned it twice and sold it twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, those are called That's your ears, Chris. Those are the holes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you listen to the wrong voice. I think was the problem.
1: <laughs> I think you uh, you hit that one on the head. So. Oh
0: my gosh! Well, you know, hey, I always tell people because I've heard a thousand and ninety-three stories before you. Uh, that we all have those stories and the best thing is you got to spend time you got to spend twice time twice yeah. with the car, so yep. lucky you. Yeah. So uh And yeah. it's
1: it's in good hands, really good hands and nice. being well curated and cared for and lovely. You know, <laughs> it would have been a tragedy if somebody had taken that car and decided to paint it and you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah well it's nice yeah, to hear
1: spoil it. So, yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Spoil it. I like that. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit about the Eisenhower-era dream cars that you put together for this year's show. You know, I've had some incredible guests on the show this week uh, that are related to Pebble, of course, uh Vendra Singh, who's bringing the cars of the Maharajas, uh, I mean, incredible yes. cars, and uh, Alad uh, Shraga, who's bringing some Oscars, a special Oscar class. I mean, there's some really spectacular groups of cars here, but Talk a little bit about these Eisenhower era dream cars, if you would.
1: Well, you know, this was an era and it, it happens to be it coincide with the era when I was really getting focused on automobiles. And uh, I mean, I was eight years old in 1953 when uh, the, the Eisenhower era, if you want to call it that, is started and. These cars have always fascinated me, and it, it's something that we had never really explored at Pebble Beach. We have a lot of post-war cars, but they're typically from uh, from Europe, and uh, we don't feature the American stuff as much as maybe we could. And uh, so I've been toying with this idea and, and talking with Sandra Button about it for a couple of years, and, and so this is the year. And... Uh, You know, it was an era, the beginning of the interstate highway system. Uh, It was an era of optimism and and good feeling and good times for an awful lot of people after coming out of the wars. And GM was kind of the the, the leader in this. Uh, They had their own private auto show with the General Motors Motorama. And and they built uh, for 1953 a trio of of very special convertibles: the uh, Cadillac Eldorado, the Buick Skylark, and the uh, Oldsmobile Fiesta. And these were cars that they modified from a production convertible to make a special offering. And they often incorporated design features from some of their concept cars and dream cars and uh, and these cars carried a price premium of oh, 2000 or $2500 more than a production convertible wow. and as a result were very low production and mm-hmm. then the other uh, manufacturers Packard chimed in with their Caribbean and so there was kind of an, a wonderful era of uh, that coincided uh, pretty carefully with Eisenhower's years in, in the Oval Office, and, and so we picked nine cars that were representative of this era of kind of flamboyance and excess, if you want to call it that Uh huge size tail fins that are are monstrous. Um, It's really emblematic of an era, and it was, you know, what you wanted to be seen in when you arrived at the country club for a little round of golf or something (laughs) uh, in that era, and how to impress the neighbors, and bigger was better, and Mm -hmm. it was a wonderful evolutionary era for, for cars, too, a lot of advances. So it's going to be a colorful Display and a big display just by the sheer bulk of the cars.
0: Sure, yeah, I'm some looking
1: to nine, it. Yeah, some of them 19 are over feet 19 long. feet long. Oh my gosh! And <laughs> and kind of the the highlight of the class uh, when Eisenhower was inaugurated, in, he rode in a, a 53 Cadillac Eldorado convertible in his mm. inaugural parade. That was the first production convertible and uh, serial number two, I believe. That car, which belongs to the Lee Collection in, in Nevada, will be on the field. Yeah, and it's a well-documented nice. car. So. Wow.
0: Well, I saw a picture of that car with Eisenhower in it on this week's uh, email campaign from Pebble Beach Concord. And I'll remind our uh-huh. listeners, go to the Pebble Beach Concord website and sign up to receive their notifications, emails, newsletters, things like that. Because you get some really cool things. and. I think it's going to be a fantastic group of cars, and you pointed out something that's really important that I think, when you go to a Concord, think about what was going on in the country and around the world during the time that car was built and existed, because there's a wonderful correlation to history and economies and social economics of what was happening in the world around these automobiles. It's just a wonderful walk through history, and history is so important. Well, Chris, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were manifested into a car, what would Chris be and why?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he would ask something like that.
0: Well, so, uh, you know, I, I, this is a really fun part of our talk because it, it really kind of delves deep into your your own personal feelings about yourself.
1: This gets close to what would be your favorite car, um, because I suppose it's an extension of yourself. Um, um, if if I could wake up one morning and and just have one car, and it could be any car, a, a Packard Roadster from the early 1930s is is a sweet machine mm-hmm. to drive, fun to drive, and usable, and and so forth. And uh, it's reliable, it's steady. Uh, It has a little bit of a flair, but it's a conservative piece of work. I don't know if I'm getting anywhere near answering your question.
0: (laughs) I think you've done done a fine job (laughs) there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it really relates to how you feel about yourself and being a solid person and gets the job done and gets there and does it with a little style and flair. Yeah, I think you did a nice job there. So, perfect. No, I think you've done a great job with that, Chris. It's a wonderful way to think about who you are and how you perceive yourself to others, and of course, the Packard, rock solid, gets the job done. Does it with some style. So you did that very well. So Chris, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah, sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays, while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. dot com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Chris, we are back and we're entering the last lap. A little bit of a lightning round here. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh that's a tough one.
1: Um Care and maintenance. Mm. Learn your car and learn to love it and learn its needs and treat it with respect.
0: There you go. Nicely. Works well for a wife, too, I've heard. Would you I share think- one of your... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been married for 34 years, so I guess I'm doing some of that right. I don't I know. Ask you're okay. <laughs> ask my wife. She may, she may differ with us, but would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes?
1: Honesty. Straightforward. Yeah.
0: Plain talk. Yep. Having worked in the real estate industry for as long as you did, uh, oh, so important for sure. Now, how about a resource? There are an incredible number of resources for us these days. Is there one that maybe uh, you like that you'd like to share with our listeners? Could be a website, could be a, a blog you get, as an app you use, a supplier, even a person.
1: Yeah, the internet has opened up the automotive hobby in a way that you could never dream of. You know, a, a wonderful, beyond what the, the myriad of stuff you can do online, if you're interested in a particular mark of car, join the hobby organization. If you're in the yes. Packers, join the Packard Club, Ferrari Club yeah. of America, where, wherever you're comfortable. An individual resource, the Nethercut Library in Southern California is yeah. an amazing treasure trove.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and
1: And wonderful people.
0: Yeah. And joining a club, I'd be amazed what you can learn and how helpful people can be. Even if you don't own one of those cars yet, you're thinking about owning one. Uh, it's an incredible resource for sure. Now, if I could wave a magic wand while you're on the lawn at Pebble Beach, after you're done with all your judging and you want to take a little break, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be?
1: I learned more personally from. Lauren Tryon and Jay Human about yeah. automobiles, yeah. and their history and so forth. I'd love to recreate a moment with those two.
0: Yeah, could you share with our listeners a little bit more, just just briefly, about who those two very special people are and how they're related to Pebble?
1: They were car collectors in San Francisco. Lauren, a collector of American classics; Jay, more into European cars. They came forward in the 1970s when the Pebble Beach Concours was struggling. Uh, It had kind of lost its focus, and they came on board and revitalized that show and made it what it is today. Mm. And Lauren passed away in 99, Jay, just recently, but they were incredible, unpaid, volunteer, hardworking. They made Pebble Beach what it is now, and, and... based on their automotive knowledge and where the cars are, who the people are, and so forth.
0: Yes, absolutely. That would be one nice get-together for sure. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners that you've really enjoyed reading? You know, uh,
1: my parents gave me a book when I was very young called Bright Wheels Rolling, And it was the story of James Melton's car collection. He was a very early car collector. He was a sort of a light opera singer, was on the radio, did concert tours, and built a wonderful collection of cars in the late 40s and early 50s. And he and Ken Purdy wrote a book. That just mesmerized me. (laughs) Yes. And because it was full of stories of barn and. You know, you'd like to transport yourself back to that era and, and pull the cars out of places that he was pulling cars.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great reference. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources on Chris Bach's show notes page on the Carjia yeah website. Just go to carjia dot com, type in Chris Bach B O C K, and that page will pop up with all these very cool references. All right, Chris, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you one. Cool collector car, but here are the rules for today. You can only have this one collector car in your garage. You have to drive it. No garage queens here. It's something that I want you to get out and use. But money's no object. So what can I buy you today? Uh, a
1: nineteen thirty Packard Model Seven Forty Five
0: Roadster. <laughs> you knew exactly what the answer to that was, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it about that that particular Packard that? You just know, it, your fancy
1: beautifully styled, but Packard put a four-speed transmission in their 1930 and 31 cars that uh, they people refer to as the singing transmission, and it went through the gears, square-cut gears, so they just had this wonderful sound, and uh, they're just a pleasure to drive.
0: Ah, wonderful! Well, Chris, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed spending some time with you. On a thank you for sharing your Journey as we uh, gear up for Pebble Beach Concord Elegance, which takes place, of course, on Sunday, August 26th. Did you offer our listeners a parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 1930 Packard Roadster?
1: Attend Pebble Beach, uh, look at the cars, talk to the owners. Uh visit with some of the judges when they're finished with their judging and educate yourself and then take that, that enthusiasm out into uh, other shows in your area and just learn to uh, embrace the hobby and, and the wonderful people.
0: Absolutely. And I'll remind listeners that the best way to do that is to go to pebblebeachconcourt.net. Learn more about the event. If you're on the fence about attending, this is an event you have to attend. Absolutely imperative as part of your heart culture. I hope that when you see Chris and me on the lawn at Pebble Beach, you'll stop and say hello. Chris, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you on the lawn at the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance.
1: I look forward to that. And thank you very much.
0: You're welcome.